You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sharpen your pencils and get your notebooks out. It's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Phantom. Welcome, wretched supplicants, to another edition of the Star Seminar, your advanced course in Cowboysology. There are two professors in this team talk course. Of course, I am Dr. Rabble Rouser, and always... Sharing the lectern with me is the great, internationally famous Cowboysologist, Dr. Danny Phantom. How are you today, good sir? You know, I am I'm doing well, Rabs. I, uh, it's always, uh, you know, as you turn the corner to the new month, the last month of the year, there's, there's always, you know, reasons to be excited, you know, with Christmas and just the holidays, you know, everything's just so joyful. But it is even more joyful when our beloved Dallas Cowboys are right in the thick of things. And I tell you what, I don't know how you feel, Rabs, but you know what? I'm pretty excited. Uh, where is your mind at right now, you know, as we, like, move on to this, like, last stretch of uh, the 2022 season? Wow, that's a great question. So, um, you know that earlier in the year, uh, obviously, you know, when, um, when Dak was out and they were relying on Cooper Rush, I was pretty bearish on the Cowboys, right? I wasn't thinking that they were going to be able to compete much or if they, if they won, it was going to be because, you know, they, they won on defense and special teams because I didn't think that they were going to be able to produce enough explosive plays in the passing game to really be a dominant offense. That in, indeed proved to be the case, but the, uh, those other units played out of their ever loving minds and, uh, and, you know, saved the season, so to speak. Um, but even, even when Dak got back, uh, the first game against the, against the Lions, I was like sort of developing a wait and see. Like we'll see. You know, we were pretty far behind the Eagles at that point, and you you never know. I mean, you know, you, you, there was a lot of a lot of football to be played. But as soon as the offense began its explosion against the Bears, and I saw I saw oh, you know what? This can be the offense that was the best of 2020, the best of 2019, the best of 2021. Like, you know, each of those seasons had a stretch where they were like the best offense in the league. They, they were explosive in both the pass and the run game. And, um, and defenses really struggled to, uh, to slow them down because they could, they could hit you vertically. They could hit you laterally. They could hit you all kinds of different ways. And we've been talking for a long time about if this offense can be explosive, that's going to set this defense up to do what it does best, right? And so that hasn't been the case every game since then, but the Chicago Bears game was the first one this season where I started to yell at the TV. And I only yell at the TV when the Cowboys are good. 
So I've been yelling at TV ever since then, or, or uh, trying not to yell because, you know, nobody who's with me likes it. But, um, but like, you know, my wife was like against Chicago. She was like, they're by 20. I was like, that's the problem. They're good. <laughs> and so I will say that I, I, I'm with you. I love it when the Cowboys are relevant in December, but it also makes the games that much more nerve wracking. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm very confident in this team. It's not about the confidence in the team. It's about how much each of these games matters, right? Because there's still a chance for them to win the division, you know? And that's, I mean, if they win the division or win a high seed, it's going to make all the difference. So I think that um, I'm excited, I'm happy, but I'm also a bundle of nerves. Yeah, no, I am. I'm with you on the yelling. I'm a good yeller. I don't, I don't, I'm not a mad yeller. But I, no, no, I'm not really. But either. I am a, like a go, go, go type of yeller. That's how I do get excited. And I, and I, I feel the same way in the sense of like, I will say this, the, the Green Bay game, I, I had the same feeling with Chicago. But when the Green Bay happened, I'm like, what am I really seeing here? Because it, feel, it just felt like deja vu. It felt like we have a team that has a has a weakness on, on defense. They're a great defensive team, but they have a weakness. And then if we don't actually move the chains on the other side of the ball. If we just, cause in that green Bay game, even though we scored points, there was a lot of really bad possessions just where we just, there, there was just terrible possessions. And yep. so that worried me. Like it's like, it's the same old. It's, I felt like we're, we're going to be, a, we're going to be another good team that is going to just underperform because we're just, we just don't have that ability to just kind of take it to the next level. I just feel like, but then the next two games happened, and even the Giants game that wasn't a roll that we didn't roll them, I just felt really good about both of these games because, well, because of Dak. I mean, that's it for me. I I feel like I know he gets too much of the credit and too much of the blame a lot of times, but I think that's because that's you know he's the, he's the quarterback, and that's just the that's the price you pay. And but for me, I really I think he's I don't I'm not I'm never gonna say he he held us back just the same as Tony Romo didn't hold us back. They were out, definitely outstanding players, but I, I will say that there are times where I don't think they, they played enough to be able to help us, you know, move on to that next level. And that's, that's been my worry, but it's starting to fade a little bit because I'm, I mean, it's only a couple games, but I'm just super pleased with how Dak's playing. So now that excitement's there. Now I'm, I'm nervous and it's like, I would, I just want there to be more. I don't want the games to just ever stop. I'm just like really excited for each week, but this, that I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm taking the, I'm taking the bait again. It's, it's like I'm being pulled back in because I, I feel like this team is special. Right? Is this, is this team special or are we just, you know, just seeing, are we just following the same path? I think that that's the, that's the thing that, many many years as a fan teaches years you you don't know uh you know there have been there've i want to know rav i want to know you you can't you can't know because you know every year they 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 have to play the games they just have to play the games and and uh, you know every year the team is different and i think that one of the mistakes we always run into is is judging the present from the past in the nfl because each season is a year unto itself that has no bearing on the previous year or excuse me has no bearing on the on the year before and and uh, to which the previous year excuse me previous season has no bearing and so 
we'll just we're just gonna have to watch it play out and you know we want to predict it we want to predict wins and losses we want to predict a playoff run we want to predict the playoff opponents and, and we can't we just have to we have to just sit and and watch something that is ultimately fundamentally beyond our control and that's you know that's that's the the joy and the the nerve-wracking anxiety of being an nfl fan you know and and one one unlucky bounce can ruin the whole can ruin the whole thing or prove to be the thing that gets you into the big show so we're gonna see man we're gonna see um well, let me ask you something though uh we you know we have a run of games we have the colts and then we have houston and, and then we have the jaguars but uh in terms of the colts that's our that's our upcoming opponent um you know as we prepare for the for the upcoming opponent i'm always thinking about you know games that the cowboys have played against this same team so i'm gonna ask you what are your most memorable uh Colts at Cowboys game. So these teams only play every four years now. Um, so that means they only play at uh, AT&T or Texas Stadium every eight years. Do you have, you know, so it's a very rare thing for these, these teams to play at Dallas. Um, but do you have, if we look back in the, look back in the annals, uh, a favorite game? Actually, before we start, I'll, I'll go way, way back into the history books and, and pluck one. And then we can talk about more recent games because I suspect our favorite games might be a little bit of more recent vintage. Yeah, I will say that one of my most memorable Cowboys Colts game happened. It was the first game in 1978. It was a, it was the first Monday Night Football game of the year, and Monday Night kicked off its uh, Monday Night Football kicked off its its 1978 season with a, a battle of um, really good uh, teams that had made the playoffs the year before. Cowboys are coming off their Super Bowl win over Denver, and the Colts had been like a I don't know 12 and four type division winner. Uh, last several years and so they were they were thought to be a really good team and the Cowboys absolutely rolled them in 138 nothing and it was it was awesome um turns out the Colts didn't weren't weren't that good that year and and the Cowboys uh went to another Super Bowl and that's the one where they lost to the Steelers 35-31 but they basically announced to the world that they were the reigning champs and uh, did so in very convincing fashion and I went to that game very nervous because the Colts are good good team um and the and the Cowboys just absolutely rolled them so, um, more of more recent vintage. Do you have any? Do you have a game uh, that jumps out at you as one that you know, was particularly memorable that you know you enjoyed? Well, I'm glad you went back, you know, to the annals because I cannot remember that far. I mean, we're talking we, only talking about a home game every eight years. I mean, there's just not a lot of them that come to mind. But the one that does come to mind is the the last time we did play them at home, which was back in 2014. You know the the Cowboys, mm-hmm. you know, playoff season in 2014. Of course, they finished that season really strong. I think they won four in a row, and Colts were the beating the Colts was part of that. And the Cowboys, they were scoring a lot of points in that four game win winning streak. So they were just like, you know, finishing the regular season in style. And uh, that game in particular, I mean, they just annihilated them. I think it was like 42 to seven, but I think it was the final. But it was 42 to nothing. At one it point, was. I mean, and, we even saw Brandon Whedon. He even came in and threw a, like, I think he threw one pass. I don't know. It, it was a touchdown. But um, it just, you know, the Cowboys were just, it, it kind of reminded me a little bit about the Minnesota game we just recently watched where everything, it was just completely, you know, annihilated them. Um, I think Andrew Luck was turning the ball over and, you know, the, nothing was going the Colts way, but everything was going the Cowboys way. Uh, I think Tony Romo became the Cowboys all-time leading passer in that game. Um so there's just a lot of a lot of positives in that game. It wasn't 
great in the competitive uh, stand, you know, scheme of things, but it certainly was great in the as far as cowboy fan enjoyment because they just completely rocked them. So that's that's my favorite Colts. Colts, no, that's a good, that's a great one. And you might remember that that was one week after they beat the Eagles in Philadelphia on Sunday night football. Uh, the Eagles had been winning the, the Chip Kelly Eagles had been leading the division all year, but they tripped up against the Seahawks the week before. And then the Cowboys went in there, had a 21, nothing lead, uh, gave away 24 straight points and then came back and outscored them something like 17, three, the rest of the game and won handily. And then, uh, by the time the Cowboys were playing the Colts, I think the Eagles had already lost to the, to the, to Washington that weekend. So we knew that if they if they won the game, they were going to win the division. Oh, nice. and and so they so we were like, oh, because the Colts are good. You know, they had, they had Andrew Luck and they were a good team. And um, we were like, oh, this is going to be this is going to be a tough one. And they just went out and annihilated them. And all that tension was was you know was gone early because it was twenty eight nothing. I think at halftime. And like you said, Brandon Whedon came in threw a long touchdown pass to Terrence Williams, and it was just the, it was a celebration the whole time. Yeah, and, awesome. and also too about that season is, uh, and this is 2014, and the Cowboys have been, they had kind of a reputation of just like not showing up in December, so to be able to go out there and win four straight in December was, this. it was kind of like, hey, we're different, you know, so. Yeah, um, yeah. That's that's why I still think that was the best team of, of the Romo Garrett Phillips era even. I mean, people talk about 2007, but I think the 2014 team was better because they were on such a roll in December. They they were they had sacks and uh takeaways uh by the by the bucket full and the offense was running all cylinders. Uh it was really really something to behold. Um I will say let me just throw out one other game of more recent vintage because this was actually one of my favorite games of recent years as well and that was when uh, in 2006 when Romo's not his rookie year, but his first year as a starter, um, they faced off against the, I believe, the 11 and 0 Peyton Manning led Colts and uh, mm-hmm. Romo and an incredible performance by the by the defense helped to engineer an upset. You remember um, the defense held the Colts to seven, but the Cowboys' offense was really was really having a lot of trouble. But um, Kevin Burnett, uh, I think, picked up a fumble. Or like a fumble. I don't know if it's a Peyton Manning fumble. It's a fumble and sort of like had this kind of weaving touchdown to the you know to the uh, run to the end zone that I think allowed them to tie it at halftime. And then uh, Romo engineered a couple of really really spectacular drives, both of which I think were capped off by Marion Barber touchdown runs. And then um, they ended up winning 21-14. I think there was also a really great like fourth down fourth down stand in the you know deep in the red zone, if not on the goal line, that uh, proved to be. Uh, a difference making series. So that was, that was just a great game because the Colts were, I mean, Colts went on and won the Super Bowl that year, but they were, they were running on all cylinders. Bob Sanders had come back and then their defense was playing well and they were really good. So that was a, that was a huge upset. And, you know, for the, for this kid to come in and engineer it, we, it was one of the various pieces that made us think, okay, okay. Right. This kid is legit. This kid's legit. There was a lot of 2006 moments like that where were like, you know, we start to realize that this is, you know, Parcells has something here. And, of course, you know, with mm-hmm. Tony Romo, you know, he's he's got something here. So, yeah, definitely I remember that. And the Colts, that Colts game was an indication of that. That is a good pick, Rabs. Good choices. I, I mean, for not playing as often, being able to dig up some good ones. So, but um, what besides this Colts Cowboys favorite memories what else do we have going on to uh, 
talk about with these uh, Indianapolis Colts. Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, we'll be joined today by Chris Shepard, who is a senior writer at our um, SB Nation sister site, uh, Stampede Blue, that covers the Colts. Um, and as we've been talking about, since we don't play them very often, we tend not to be as familiar with these AFC teams. So we're hoping that uh, Chris can come in and enlighten us and uh, help us catch up to the doings in Indy and also shed, shed a little bit of light on this weekend's gridiron clash against the men who have a horseshoe on their helmet. So let's get Chris in here and talk about Cowboys Colts, shall we? All right, get your notebooks out. All right, students, put away your phones. We have an awesome guest lecturer for you today. This is Chris Shepard, who's a senior writer over at Stampede Blue, where he does a weekly five questions segment with writers from uh, upcoming opponents. So we thought we'd switch seats and ask Chris five, six questions about his beloved Colts as we prepare for a Sunday night football showdown. We're glad to have you. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be here. So listen, um, it's it's weird because, you know, we only play you guys and you only play us, obviously, every four years. Uh, so, you know, we don't really and we're not we're not like watching your games because we're worried about playoff seeding and those kind of things. You know what I mean? So, like, we tend not to know as much about our AFC rivals. Um, so I'd like to start with some recent history just so you can kind of catch us up, because last time we met y'all it was 2018 and at that time gm chris ballard and head coach head coach frank reich were the toast of the nfl they had just engineered a turnaround from a 4 and 12 season previously to what was going to be a 10 and 6 season that included uh nobody probably wants to remember this but it included a 20 excuse me a 23 nothing shellacking of the cowboys um and it seemed like the future was incredibly bright so uh you know, everybody was saying Chris Ballard's a future, you know, sort of like future of what the, of what GM should look like. There were all kinds of like, you know, um, reports from the, the, the Colts war room, you know, where you saw him talking to the scouts and stuff. And he just seemed like he was running a really, really tight ship and really, really bright guy. And, uh, you know, we knew we knew Frank Reich from his time uh, with the Eagles. And uh, honestly, we believe that that Eagles Super Bowl is uh like all the credit goes to him because, you know, before he was there and after he was there, they were not very good. And he, they were incredible the year he was there. So uh, I'm giving him all the credit. So, but here we are in 2022 where we just saw Reich fired after a three, five and one start. I, I know five years is an eternity in NFL years, but what the heck happened? I mean, so much has changed since then. Can you kind of just give us a thumbnail sketch of what the heck's been going on in, in Indianapolis for the last four or five years? Sure. So uh, the biggest thing is we had this uh, we had this guy playing quarterback. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but his name his name is Andrew Luck, uh, and Andrew Luck was very very good at playing quarterback in the NFL. You know he had his ups and downs. He he struggled with some injuries. He played through some injuries, but when Andrew Luck was at his best, that guy was pretty good at football. Uh, and when you're pretty good at football and you're the face of a franchise and you retire at 29 years old, well, it puts the franchise. In a little bit of a hole uh and so that was the the first that's the biggest thing that's the biggest reason that uh we're sitting here right now and the colts have done what the colts have done um but beyond that um you know you talk about chris ballard and how he was the toast of the nfl well uh, he was and for good reason chris ballard is an excellent scout if if you sit down with Chris Ballard and Chris Ballard tells you, hey, this guy right here, this guy you've never heard of from Division II Nowhere State University, 
he's going to be a, an amazing pro. You better believe him. You better take that to the bank. Now, that guy's probably going to be a, a guard, and Chris Ballard's going to take him in the top 10, but he's Chris Ballard's a terrible team builder, right? He, he's not a good team builder. We've seen it, but he's a great scout. So when you take over a team that's completely devoid of talent, it doesn't matter what position you draft where. You need to fill in as much as you can with as much talent as possible. And that's exactly what he did. And most of those first picks hit. 2017, you can kind of give him a pass. He had Chuck Pagano. He had a you know a lame duck head coach coming in. But 2018, those first three or four or five picks, those were Nailed all really, get yeah, really good players. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, of course, everyone was like, look what this guy's done because he had. And he's still, this past draft, he's gotten good players, but they're not players at important positions. Um, and so when you when you look at that and you look at even this season, what he's done with the defense, he's a great scout. He built a great defense. Most of the guys he's brought in have been excellent. The defense is really good. On the offense, not so much. Um, and really what went wrong for Frank Reich is Chris Ballard never gave him the same quarterback two years in a row. Didn't do it. Um, And Frank Reich is actually, in my opinion, and this isn't a popular opinion amongst Colts fans, I don't care, um, but Frank Reich was a victim of his own success. Somehow, some way, he figured out, last year he got a 27 touchdown to 7 interception ratio from Carson Wentz. Mm. Uh, He was so good with just a mishmash of quarterbacks. He figured out ways to win every year. He got it done. And then the one year he couldn't because his offensive line falls apart. You know, he's, uh, he's the guy taking the fall for it because Chris Ballard has, he didn't, he built a terrible offensive line this year. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, in my opinion, Frank Reich was kind of the scapegoat for Chris Ballard's lack of uh, building a good team. And in some ways, uh, the idea was that if, if Reich was such a good quarterback whisperer, they could get by with a kind of like retread veteran and then build around him. Right. If, they, if they didn't, if they weren't lucky enough to, you know, be four and thirteen and get a top five pick and have another shot at a at a right. franchise quarterback. And to be fair, if I believe if Matt Ryan had the Colts roster from last year, this is a whole different conversation we're having. Mm. But he doesn't. So we're going to talk about Ryan first. But I think in uh, before we do, I think uh, my friend Danny here might have a question for you. Sure. Yeah. So you know, so Reich was replaced by former Colt center and all around awesome guy, Jeff Saturday. So please help a couple of outsiders like ourselves understand the thinking behind this surprise hire. <laughs> you, you want me to help Anything. anyone understand this? Move? <laughs> yeah. Can you give us something? What's, what's the inside poop? <laughs> no, no. So the only person that can understand it, and I'm not even sure that he knows why, why he did it is Jim Irsay, the Colts owner. Who knows why he did this? It doesn't make sense on any level. And Colts fans have talked themselves into it. Uh, I've seen more than one Colts fan online talking about uh, comparing it to a situation at their workplace or that they knew about. And I I don't care uh, if uh, some guy came in to manage the paint department at your local hardware store that had no experience. It's not the same thing. It's not even close. But Colts fans are talking themselves into it in crazy ways. Um, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. There's no rhyme or reason that Jim Irsay was friends with Jeff Saturday. Uh, his football team was losing when he thought it was going to win. And he did a really dumb thing. I, you know, uh, I wish that I had a better answer for you, but I don't think there is a better answer. Was, 
Did you guys have any premonition that A, Reich was going to get fired, and B, that it was going to be Saturday? Or did, were both of those shockers? So two two weeks before uh, it came out, uh, Ian Rappaport, who Ian Rappaport, it seems like, has a relationship with Jim Mercer. I don't know that yeah. for sure, but it seems like he does. Um, Ian Rappaport reported that Frank Reich was safe, that his job was safe, that he was going to finish the year out as head coach of the Colts. And so that's kind of what we were expecting. Um, what happened was, was that uh, all of a sudden uh, Frank Reich comes out and he says, um, you know, Matt Ryan is injured, but we're going to start Sam Elliger at quarterback for the rest of the year. It's Sam Elliger's team now. That's it for the rest of the year. The reports that came out after that were um, very thinly veiled and basically said that that was a Jim Irsay decision, that he told Frank Reich, you're starting the backup the rest of the year. So Frank Reich starts the backup. I know I've probably got a lot of Texas fans listening to this podcast right now. Uh, I like Sam Ellinger, the player, or the person. Uh, Sam Ellinger, the NFL quarterback, has a lot of work to do. Uh, so in those two games, he looked terrible, and then – you know, Jim Irsay turns around and fires Frank Reich after a backup quarterback predictably looked bad. Uh, so, no, we had no idea this was coming. Um, anybody that tells you, oh, yeah, I thought Jeff Saturday was going to be the interim head coach is a moron and a liar. So Matt Ryan is now back under center? Yes. Yep. So – Against the, against the Steelers last week, um, and, as you mentioned earlier, right? So Matt Ryan is the fifth quarterback in, in as many years in Indianapolis. And I think that it does seem like that lack of continuity at the most important position in sports, it, you know, it, it obviously is is hurting the team. Um, watched a little bit of the Colts-Steelers game last week and then, you know, read, read up on some of the stuff y'all been writing over at Stampede Blue. And so as an outside more casual observer what i'm hearing is that matt ryan is aging and aging pretty quickly he seems to have lost um, whatever mobility in he once possessed he seems sort of statuesque in the pocket and so on paper that would seem to be precisely the kind of quarterback that the cowboys defense would do well against uh, they, they have had some trouble with running quarterbacks or at least quarterbacks and, and running games where the quarterback uh, provides a threat but also if they know where they can rush to i mean this pass rush is is pretty darn good so um doesn't seem like it's a it's a, a great uh matchup for the colts on paper so what do you expect colts interim uh, offensive coordinator parks frazier to do to keep ryan upright that's sort of sort of two-part that's part one and part two more generally how do you think in indianapolis is going to attack the cowboys defense um so first i think you're using the attack pretty liberally the word attack <laughs> uh i don't think it's gonna i don't think it's gonna look much like an attack um, so what's Parks Frazier going to do? Uh, <sighs> I, Parks Frazier. So let me say this about Parks Frazier. It's been really cool watching Parks work his way up through the organization. I'm, I'm a nerd. I went to, so I went to, um, the Vegas, the Las Vegas Raiders versus Indianapolis Colts. My wife's family lives in Vegas. So we went out there, went to the game. It was I wish I was watching Frank Craig coach, but I was watching Jeff Saturday's first game, but Parks Frazier was there. And before the game, I recognized Parks Frazier. And I realized that I'm the only person of all the Colts fans standing around me that recognize Parks Frazier. I'm that guy. 
So mm-hmm. I've watched Parks Frazier come up in the organization, work his way up. Two years ago, he was getting people coffee. So it's it's really cool to see him progress and to grow and to get this opportunity. Let me say that. Now, Parks Frazier is a terrible play caller. Oh, no. It's because two years ago, he was getting coffee. It's not his fault. He's He wasn't ready for this. Um, uh, frankly, he was the only guy who accepted this position. Uh, they offered it to quarterback coach Scott Milanovic. He turned them down smartly, mm. uh, and they gave it to Parks. Um, and so I'm hopeful for Parks. I'm hopeful that he learns, and this is a good experience for the rest of his career. Um, but with that said, not last week, but the week before, I ran the numbers, and he ran the ball on, I want to say, 80-some percent of first downs to the tune of .75 yards per carry. Not one point, two point. It was less than a yard per carry, and he was running it every single first down. So Parks, Parks, he's going to try to get the ball out quick, but he's going to panic. Um, things are going to go poorly, probably pretty early on, uh, and he's not going to have any answers. Uh, mm-hmm. He's going to second guess himself. He just, you know, he doesn't have any experience in this. He still knows how uh, all the position coaches like their coffee, though. So run the latte play. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that'd be that'd be good. <laughs> so one of the things we talked about uh, before the game a couple, three weeks ago when we faced off against Green Bay was um, does Aaron Rodgers have the patience to keep running if he's down by double digits? And, and uh, the guy who, who uh, we, we talked to, a guy named Justice Mosqueda, was like, no, he doesn't. It turned out they did, and that's, I think, one of the main reasons that the Packers were able to upset the Cowboys. Um, the last couple of weeks, teams haven't necessarily stuck with the run when they got down against Dallas. And so I guess my, what you're seeming to suggest here is that Frazier's not the kind of guy who's going to stick with the run if they, if they do happen to get down by a couple scores, that he might get a little bit antsy and try to pass more, which doesn't seem like that could – I mean, that feels honestly like that would be playing right into Dallas's hands. Right. So I don't know that he won't stick with the run. I mean, he, he stuck with the run two weeks ago. Uh, when it didn't work at all. Mm-hmm. The problem is when you have a guy, I mean, you guys know, you guys have had Zeke for a long time. When you have a guy who's special, a guy, Jonathan Taylor is, you know, five foot 10, 200 and almost 30 pounds. And he runs a four, three. When you have a guy that runs like that, you hand him the ball 20 times and you hope he can break off a long one. Mm-hmm. So I still think that, that Taylor's going to get his carries. Um, but that doesn't mean they're going to be able to do any. Eventually, it's going to be third and nine, and you guys are going to get them in third and nine several times, and they're going to have to throw. And Parks Frazier is going to dial up some dumb play that doesn't make a bit of sense, <laughs> and Matt Ryan is going to die in the backfield. Yeah, you know, you, you scared me at first when you're talking about running on 80% of first downs because – as as a Cowboys with our defense, it's not something we really want to see. But but then the second part with the yards per carry obviously made me feel better. But I have to ask you, Chris, like why are they struggling so much to to run the ball? So, um, well, that's a great question. Uh, have you guys heard the name Matt Pryor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so ex Eagle, right? Yeah, former Eagle. Yeah, um, Chris Ballard. Uh, Again, this is one of the premier positions that Chris Ballard has. The left tackle, uh, Anthony Costanzo, long-time good but not great left tackle, uh, retired a couple years back. Um, last year, they tried Eric Fisher at the position. Eric Fisher is very much done playing football. 
Uh, and this year, Chris Ballard saw Matt Pryor have a good half of football uh, at left tackle and said, hey, he's going to be our starter. So it all started there. Um, Matt Pryor turns out not a good left tackle. And the only backup plan the Colts realistically had was a third-round uh, rookie out of Central Michigan named Bernhard Ryman. Um, he has mm-hmm. been playing football for, or he's been playing football since I think eighth grade. Um, he's he moved over from Europe, uh, um, but he's only been playing offensive line for two years. Uh, he's really athletic, kind of got short arms, um, but he's he's a good prospect and a, a good developmental guy. But he was never supposed to start. He's been playing offensive line against the teams at Central Michigan plays for two years. So um, it was never going to go well with him there, but he's there because Matt Pryor is terrible. So uh, they moved Matt Pryor from left tackle to right tackle for some reason. Uh, He got benched at right tackle. They moved him to right guard. Uh, He got benched at right guard. Um, So the Colts let Mark Lewinsky walk in free agency. He went to the Giants. Um, Glow has never been a great pass blocker, but he's a pretty good run blocker. He's really good when you when you let him go forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so let him walk. They didn't have a, a starting caliber right guard. They didn't have a starting caliber left tackle. Ryan Kelly looks like he's aged about ten years in the past ten months. Um, he looks he does not look good. Um, early in the season, right tackle uh, Braden Smith. Uh, he kind of was he he was inconsistent i think he was probably dealing with some sort of an injury um but he's been the most consistent offensive lineman for the colts this year quentin nelson who was the most dominant offensive lineman i've ever seen as a rookie and second and third year player i believe he's working as he had uh some back issues and i think he's still working his way back through that because while he's played well he's not the same guy that he was Mm -hmm. so you have this turnover on the offensive line then you have guys who are regressing due to age due to injury playing inconsistently and one thing leads to another and all of a sudden you go from having a top five offensive line to having an offensive line that gets you gets your quarterback hit 50 times in 10 games or whatever it was so it's it's been very frustrating um it's really interesting to watch Jonathan Taylor because if you just watch him and you look at the way that he he sees his blocks set up the way that he uses his vision the way that he sets up that first guy in the hole and he makes him miss and he makes he'll make a crazy cut he'll cut up field he looks fast and then it's a three-yard run and you go that was an amazing three-yard run but the problem is is that he had to make it amazing to get that three yards so um, that's the reason. That's the reason they've been struggling. The offensive line is, is terrible. I've said it. I don't know how many times I've said it. Colts fans really hate hearing it, but it doesn't matter who is coaching the team. It doesn't matter who's calling the plays. When your offensive line is this bad, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm curious to see what, what you know what will happen. I know I, I kind of think of it a little bit like with Barkley. It's like I think the Cowboys will contain him for the most part, but then he is going to get out in, in space, and then he'll have a have a big run. That's that's my feeling. But um, moving around to the other side of the ball, a little more positive news for, you know, for in terms for uh, the Colts team. I mean, that is their defense. They're, you know, they got a good defense. They're they're sixth in yards and eleventh in points allowed. Um, but they've had some not so great moments. They just gave up 172 yards on the ground to the Steelers. Uh, so, Chris, tell us about this Colts defense. You know, with with linebacker Darius. Or, or, Shaq Leonard now, I guess. Um, who are the primary playmakers, and uh, how do you think that they'll try to stop a Cowboys offense that has actually been producing 
pretty fantastic since Dak's return. Sure. So um, first, I'll just start by saying up until last week, last week was was actually a pretty rough week for the Colts defense. Um, up until last week, this has been the best Indianapolis Colts defense I've ever seen. And that, that's not really? hyperbole ever. Um, ever, ever. This wow. this was the defense Peyton Manning never had. Give Peyton Manning this defense. I don't know how many Super Bowls he wins in a row, but it, it, it's more than a lot. Um, it is really, really good. Last week, so here's here's the problem. When your offense is this bad and your defense is this good and the team is losing games the way it's losing games – Eventually, those guys on defense have to start looking around and thinking about next year. Most of those guys, almost all those guys, are going to have an opportunity to play next year somewhere, whether it's in Indy, whether it's somewhere else. Um, it's human nature to, to let that creep in. I, you know, I don't know how long they're going to play the way that they've been playing. We could have seen that start to fall off uh, last week, but up until this point, they've been amazing. Um, up until last week, most of the points scored. I want to say came on short fields after the offense turned the ball over. Matt Ryan fumbled through an interception. Somebody else fumbled, whatever, whatever the case, most of those touchdowns, it felt like came on short fields, came when the offense put them in a terrible situation, um, you know, or late in the game when the offense has kept them on the field, most of the game and the guys are gassed and, you know, the offense needs them to bail them out one more time and they just can't do it. Um, but yeah, this, this offense or this defense top to bottom, um, so everybody knows about DeForest Buckner. He's the the big name on the defensive line. And Defoe's good. He's long. He's athletic. Uh, the guy gets off the ball quick. He's strong. He's tough to block, but he's not the best defensive tackle the Colts have, which sounds crazy, I know. Um, but that guy's name's Grover Stewart. Uh, Grover, he's a, a one-tech nose tackle. One-on-one uh, -on -one this year, Grover has been completely unblockable. Um, <laughs> he He's quick off the ball. Uh, he is a load. Um, dude's tough to stop. He doesn't have great pass rush numbers because they bring him off the field in pass rush situations, but Grover is a problem. Uh, he can collapse your pocket if he's in there. Um, but you know, it is good to get him off the field to, you know, give the big guy a break. Uh, but Grover is, he is a problem. He is a really good player outside of Grover. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe has really come on. Um, he's got eight and a half sacks this year. Um, so he, he's, looking like a, a good trade that the Colts made with the, the Raiders. Um, at linebacker, you mentioned, you know, Shaq Leonard being out. Um, and outside of his punch outs, outside of the, the turnovers he's forced, uh, the Colts really haven't missed him that much. And again, that goes back to Chris Ballard's ability to scout, especially the linebacker position. Um, you know, you've got guys, Zaire Franklin. Nobody's heard of Zaire Franklin. He's a former seventh-round pick uh, that's been on the team as a special teams guy. Zaire Franklin is playing really good football. Now, you don't want him cover in coverage 30 yards down the field, but he's playing good ball. Uh, Bobby Okereke, uh, he's a, a third-rounder out of Stanford. Um, he's been in the league a few years now. Bobby's playing out of his mind. He's great in coverage. Uh, the guy can run. Uh, and then everybody knows Stephon Gilmore. Uh, he's not the same guy he was. He doesn't have the same long speed that he used to have. But in short coverage, um, there aren't many guys that are better than Gilmore. So, um, yeah, top to bottom, the Colts have a good defense. Again, I think these guys are probably going to check out at some point, but um, until they do, they're good. How's the locker room? Are they starting to point fingers? So that's an interesting question. Um, after Reich was fired, uh, they were – 
you know, they interviewed the guys and the guys were all talking about how upset they were, how sad they were and how they felt like that they were the reason. All right. Most of these guys in the locker room have only had Frank Reich as their head coach and they liked him. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, is that, well, I guess it's not a problem, but Jeff Saturday is also a really likable guy. And he, it is, I don't, I didn't like the hire, still don't like the hire, but it's impossible to say that he's not a good leader. The guy, he is a good leader. Um, so as of right now, there's not a lot of news coming out. I haven't heard anything out that's said that the locker room is starting to break down, but you got to wonder, you know, how long is it going to last in these losses pile? You know, how, how mm. long before that does happen? Well, speaking of losses piling up, let's uh, let's move on to our last question. Uh, it's time for game predictions. So, uh, Chris, as our guest of honor, uh, we'll let you go first. Who wins and why? And to please our rabid listeners, why don't we throw out a final score? All right. Um, well, the Cowboys are definitely going to win this game by a million. <laughs> not, not really, but I, I don't – man, I don't expect it to be close, but the Colts are weird. Uh, they – again the defense they have this way of making good offenses look not that good and i'm not saying that's going to happen this week uh they made uh, a bad offense last week and the steelers look good uh so you know anything could happen but it's tough to predict what the colts are going to do other than me saying they're going to lose i'm confident of that because no matter what they are not going to score more than 16 or 17 points that's they i think they've scored more than 20 twice this year um and with your guys' pass rush, there's no way they're going to score more than 17 points. Um, so if the Cowboys' offense can score more than 17, um, I think they've got this one. So this game could be a 24-17 Cowboys victory, or it could be a 42-17 Cowboys victory. It just depends on which Colts defense shows up. If you had to bet on whether the Cowboys will cover or not, and I think the last time I saw that the line was like 10 and a half, what would you say? That's a really – man, Vegas is – Vegas good. is That's smart, really good, dude. That's a tough line, right? That, that is a really good line. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, okay, so if I – gun to my head, I have to take that bet. I'm taking the under. Don't kill me, Cowboys fans. That's just – the Colts beat the Chiefs. They made their offense look pedestrian. Yeah. They played the, the Eagles, who I know Cowboys fans don't want to hear this. The Eagles have a good offense. Yeah, they uh, and they made the Eagles offense look average. So – that's this isn't me saying I think the Colts are going to compete. They're not. The game I think will end up being closer than what it actually is because the Colts defense has the ability to do that. Um, so I, yeah, I take the under on that, but I don't feel good about that bet. So you're on the record for something in the 24-17 range. Yeah, I mean, right? yeah, I'm probably going to look stupid. It's going to be 42. It'll be 42 to 17 now. That I'm <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Danny, what do you think? You know, it's interesting. Uh, the last two times that these teams have played each other, it's been a it's been a beatdown. You know, one, you know, one, yeah. one or the other. And uh, I, I kind of feel like this would be. I think it will feel a little closer. I think the Colts have some things that will be some some good tests for the Cowboys that I'm very interested in seeing. You know, in particular, you know, be, will they be able to stop Jonathan Taylor? You know how they because I feel like the Colts have to get they have to run the ball effectively to have a chance. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to go. I'm also going to, you know, Chris, you know, you talked about, it. I mean, this is, this is a good Colts defense. So what will they throw at Dak? You know, I, I, I think Dak's playing really well. 
you know, I want to see how if if uh, the Colts can do something different to kind of just kind of get them a little bit off kilter. So I so I have the Cowboys winning um, twenty seven to ten on this one. Um, I yeah, I, I think it's close at first, but I think the Cowboys. I I feel like Dallas will always seem in control, but I just I but I do think there will be some. Some things that uh, the Cowboys will have learned from this because the Colts do present some challenges. So that that's my final score. Rabs, what about you? The NFL is a strange lady. Uh, the other thing is the Cowboys don't ever seem to do particularly well when they're coming off a bye. And, and I know this isn't officially a bye, but it is a long layoff because the last time they played was on Thanksgiving. So there's a little bit of extra time. And, you know, I think we, we all get all geeked up because we think, oh, they're going to be extra rested. They're going to be awesome. And then they, they feel like things are out of sync a little bit early on. So I think the Cowboys offense might actually struggle a little bit at first just because they're all the reasons you talked about in terms of the um, the talent and ability of the Colts defense, but also just because they tend to seem to, to take a while to get warmed up. And I think that'll help keep it close. The Colts might even have a halftime lead, but I think the Cowboys will extend it's And once they get a lead, I mean, it's, it's going to be pretty much, you know, it's basically going to be, uh, you're, you're going to, they're going to be the bunny in the snake cage. There's not going to be anywhere to run. And so um, I think that, I think they'll probably, I'm, I'm going to say they're not going to cover, I think the Colts' defense is good enough. They might they might uh, force a couple field goals in the red zone, but that they'll win by like eight. So I'll say twenty-seven nineteen. Man, that's a lot of points for the Colts. But hey, uh, I like it. <laughs> that's true. Uh, how about twenty-four sixteen then? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Listen, Chris. Thanks so much for coming on. I know we we ask you a whole bunch of different questions, and I I I, I feel personally like I learned a lot about like what's going on with your team and, and where they are now. And I feel more prepared for, uh, for Sunday night. So uh, r- really great having you on it. Students. I hope you all took good notes uh, before you leave though, sir, please tell the people where they can find your fine, fine work. Yeah. You guys can find me of course on stampedeblue.com. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at NFL scheme. Uh, I am, I'll just go ahead and uh, promote myself. I am a pretty good game day follow. I tweet out uh, highlights as they happen from the game, I am obviously a Colts guy. So uh, unless the Cowboys do something and I just caption it with LOL, uh, that's probably going to be mostly positive <laughs> plays from the Colts. Um, but, you know, if you guys want to rage out and see that big play you guys gave up that you shouldn't have and Jonathan Taylor's, you know, uh, standing in the end zone, I'll have that highlight ready to go. So you guys can find me on Twitter at NFL Scheme. Awesome. I actually just uh, started following you today, so I'm looking forward to it. Oh, good deal. Thanks again, man. Good luck on Sunday. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. You too. Well, you know, Dan, I I feel like we say this every week, but that was a great guest. I really enjoyed uh, having Chris come on. And he had, you know, a lot of knowledge, sharp eye. uh, you know, he's he's a little down on his team right now, but he provided us with, a, I think, a really great snapshot of where his team is. And um, I, I feel I feel like I'm more prepared for this upcoming game and more ready to watch uh, the Colts and, and really know what they're doing. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I feel honestly, I feel a little better about the Cowboys uh, ability to stop the running, the, the rushing attack. Because uh, mm-hmm. I figure, you know, it's like if they, if they have a chance, it's going to be one of those games where the storyline is going to be Jonathan Taylor just 
runs all over the Cowboys. And then, of course, here we go again. It's like the Cowboys' defense, they, that's still going to – that's their – you know, stopping the runs, their bugaboo. And, and But I, I feel like that's probably not going to happen now. I think there will be some some good plays. But I, I, I almost – I, I kind of I'm, – I'm, I guess I'm – I'm falling into the trap now. I feel like I feel like we got this. I'm not I'm not really worried about the Colts. So it's definitely good to you know have somebody to come in there. And obviously, you know, when you get a, an insider from another team, they're going to tell you everything, their all their strengths and everything. And and I kind of feel like you know they just didn't have a whole lot to 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 say in that regard as far as being able to give the Cowboys trouble. So yeah, I, I guess I feel I feel pretty good. I'm I'm glad that we were. Uh, able to witness this level of education. Indeed, indeed. Uh, and those of you who didn't take notes, you'll be shooting yourself because there's going to be a lot of that material on the final. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think you know, I, the Colts game for me is the most challenging one of the next three because they then, they then play the uh, Texans and the Jaguars. Jaguars, you know, had a big win this last weekend, but I still think that the, those two, those teams are probably not as, as deep or as talented as, as the Colts. And so... Um, I really feel like if they can they can manage to to squeak out this one, which they should be able to do, um, that they they have a real chance to get on a roll of the next next three games, and then, which would which would put them at like eleven and three when they face off on Christmas Eve against the hated Philadelphia Eagles. So let's I mean let's assume that even if they beat the Eagles, that they don't win the NFC East because they're you know the Eagles are also going to have to to fall and and there's been a couple opportunities with that they had to lose games and they they've neglected to seize those opportunities so they remain a one loss team so they're going to have to lose another game and if the cowboys do lose another game that means the eagles have to lose two games for the cowboys to win the division so um i know we talked earlier tonight about how you know this time of year you can't really look ahead it's a it's a it's a week-to-week league uh you know you everybody wants to make predictions about where they're going to be and and those tend to be you know foolhardy but i also do think that you know it this is the time you know bill parcells always said ask me what this team is after thanksgiving well now we know what this team is is a playoff team which is probably one of the best four or five teams in the league i think i think we feel secure in that at least right now um, but that said, it also seems like the playoff picture is starting to come into, into better focus, mm-hmm. into sharper focus. Right. And right. And, you know, if you recall, when we had our, um, our bi-week podcast, when we had John owning and Kyle Yeomans and just, uh, just on here, we talked a little bit about possible playoff pathways. And that was a particularly premature discussion. Right, at the right. Time. I remember that. But now it feels like it's a little bit more relevant i mean you know we, we have more data we you know we have teams records uh etc and so right now the cowboys are the fifth seed in round one their most likely opponent would be the uh tampa bay buccaneers we have to go to tampa bay and beat the buccaneers which i think that everyone says everyone could agree that the cowboys are a much much better team right now but the Buccaneers do have Tom Brady, and it's, I think, always unwise to count out Tom Brady and his weird, toxic, hyper-competitiveness um, you know, in the uh, playoffs. If the Cowboys win and none of the other like wild-card uh, visiting teams win, the next game would be at Philadelphia, right? So, right. And, then, and then they would play the San Francisco-Minnesota winner 
at either San Francisco or Minnesota if they were to win. Let's say that San Francisco continues to, to grow. I mean, they, they are looking very, very tough. I mean, I know Minnesota's good. I mean, we might be under, underestimating them because we beat them with such ease, but it's, you know, they, San Francisco would still have to be going on the road and Minnesota can easily beat them. But let's just say San Francisco wins. The Cowboys will then have, have to make it to the Super Bowl, will have to survive a playoff gauntlet with of three games on the road against the Tom Brady-led Buccaneers, against the, the Eagles, and then a, potentially against the San, uh, against San Francisco at uh, you know at a Levi's Stadium or whatever it is um, for in the NFC Championship. And I think it's probably fair to say that that the Eagles and the 49ers are the two teams that are best built schematically. Um, you know, both from a design perspective, but also I think just from a roster strength perspective to give the Cowboys um, a tough game. The Cowboys don't match up as well with those teams as they do with others. So, and I mean, obviously things are very subject to change. It's probably going to change. But at this particular moment, as things come into focus, um, if the Cowboys make it to the Super Bowl, they are going to have to earn it. Yeah, it's actually really unsettling to think that we could be looking at a potentially 14-3 and three team that is playing the best of any team over the last two months of the regular season and to have to sit there and go against Tampa Bay, Philadelphia, and San Francisco. And it's just, that's just brutal. And it's frustrating that, you know, we're having one of our best seasons. I even tweeted this. We're having one of our best seasons in, you know, potentially two decades. And, you know, but look, you know, so, are the, so is Philadelphia. Look at them. I mean, they won't. They won't let up. So this path that, that could be presented in front of us is not pleasant, too, because, I mean, you're absolutely right, Rabs. I don't even care about what 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 the Buccaneers are going through. We've never beaten Tom Brady, ever. And when we have to play a smart player that absolutely is going to know how to attack our defense, um, I mean, that's a problem. We didn't beat them this year. We had Dak. We got smoked. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's for sure. What I mean, that's a terrible draw for the wild card game. And then as you talked about, um, you know, Philadelphia and San Francisco to me are the other two powerhouses in NFC. And then we're going to have to have to play both of those teams is just, I mean, that's just terrible also. And they do have, they have the, the play this, they're built to, to be a team that could beat us. You know, they don't, to me, I don't think neither of them have, I know Jalen hurts is all the craze, but I think when you talk about hurts and Garoppolo, you're talking about, you know, they're, they're going to beat you in other ways. They're going to get their ball in the playmakers. You know, it's going to be Debo. It's going to be heavy run game. It's going to be, and same thing with the Philly. They're going to, they're going to run you to death. Um, and they're going to get their ball and you know, get the ball and, and AJ Brown and, and Devonte Smith. So they're, it's, they're, they just have, they have the accessories to really be hard on, on the Cowboys. And I don't know that, I mean, I, I keep hoping that something would give, you because know, I, I really feel like that dreaded fifth seed's just, I mean, it's just brutal. And I don't know. It's, I don't know if there's any way out of it, Rabs. I mean, of course there is. We still have a lot of football left. But after watching Philadelphia play against Green Bay, I don't really know if, if they're going to let up for us. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I, I wasn't that impressed with them against either Indianapolis or Green Bay. I don't, I don't actually think they're that good. They scored but they're, a lot they, of points, but but they're good. They're good, and um, and uh, yeah, I think their offense can score points. I think that they're good. 
Uh, I don't know that they're great, but they they've been they've they've been on a roll. They're playing with great confidence. Um, you know, they they are able to score in bunches. Their defense is capable of making plays occasionally, uh, or often enough to keep them in games. And they just don't seem to be particularly prone to letting down. Or you know, the one game they did let down was against uh, the the Colts, but they managed to squeak that one out because the Colts' offense was so inept. So we, we, we need a miracle. I mean, we need, a, we need a team to beat Philadelphia, and then we have to beat Philadelphia on Christmas Eve and then not lose any of the games. So the, the other thing about that is that if the Cowboys are going to win the division, they pretty much have to run the table. And Because I, I don't know that we can rely on Philadelphia to lose twice more. Right. In addition to, in addition to losing to Correct. the Cowboys, right? right? So uh, it, it's, um, it's going to be interesting. But I will also say that, you know, hearkening back – um, as a sort of final point here, hearkening back to our conversation several weeks ago before they played Washington, we were talking about, you know, do we do we miss the days when Washington was good? And, and you said no, and I said yes, because it used to be that, you know, when you survive the NFC East, when Washington and the Giants um, were former Super Bowl winners and the Eagles were really, really good every year with Reggie White, when you survived the gauntlet that was that division, uh, that meant you had done something and you were ready for the playoffs. I mean, if, if, if they can get through this, this, I mean, there's, I mean, no question. They're the best team. Like, you know, that, and that's going to be, but it's going to be tough, man. Three, those three, those three teams on the road, or even if they have to go to Minnesota, I mean, that's no gimme, but, um, yeah, yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Really. Inter- and I think, I think in some ways though, to go back to what we were saying earlier, that's why I'm so nervous because I recognize the chance that they have if they can win out and Philadelphia loses another game, right? To, to, to go from the fifth seed with that gauntlet to having the first seed, which they probably would, if, if assuming Minnesota loses again, um, having the first seed and getting a buy in the first round and then getting to host the, you know, whoever, whichever wildcard team squeaks, squeaks through, um, th- that would be, that would be much, much preferable. Oh, absolutely! Much, much preferable. It's completely different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's huge, man, because um, the difference between the fifth seed and the first seed, which is probably what they're playing for, is is pretty significant. And it's rare that you're really talking about something so divergent. Yeah, it is, and that, that that's what makes it frustrating because you know it could, we could have a a much easier path versus this this really challenging one. And I know we've talked about before, like you know when you're playing against tough teams, you're going to be battle tested. And there's no doubt about it. If the Cowboys were to survive that gauntlet, they would be battle tested and they would be mm-hmm. probably the, the favorites in the, in the Super Bowl, I, I would imagine. But at the same time to have to go through that path, you know, you're not only is just, there's additional opportunities for you to get bounced because if you're not on, on your a game, you know, on any given one of those matchups, it, that's it. You're done. The season's over, but also it's going to be brutal for, it's just gonna you're gonna get banged up. You're, there's gonna be more casualties. You have to play four quarters of good football. So there's just it's it's just just lays down a really much more difficult challenge. So yeah. Well, let me let me let me also throw this out. If they do run that gauntlet, that means they will have won. Well, assuming they win out the rest of the season, maybe they don't. But if they win out the rest of the season, but still don't catch Philadelphia. They will, they will have to have won 11 games in a row to get to the Super Bowl and then have to win 12 games in a row to win it. That's incredibly hard to do and very, very rarely done in, in the NFL. Yeah, it, so, it's a story made for uh, a Super Bowl 
DVD, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, so let me ask you this. Would you rather... Huh, would you rather they lose and then be be sort of more mentally rested for that, that gauntlet? Or would you rather have them win and be kind of just tired and stressed out, but also have the home field? Oh, that's such a great question, Rabs. And I've, it's one I've pondered, too, because I feel like... I kind of feel like it, that will probably answer itself. Like if we, if we see we can't catch them, you know, it's kind of like Tom Cruise when you, it's like if you don't if you don't think you can get them to say it, you know, you know, trying to go after Colonel Jessup to Code Red. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, I feel mm-hmm. like if you don't think you can catch them, you, then you might want it at that point. You know, week seven, week you know, week eighteen against Washington needs to have a different feel altogether. Week, you know, so yeah, I don't know. I think I, I think you obviously the the whole the goal is to, to, to win this thing. And that's, and if you, if, if you're not playing for it and you don't got something online, I think the Cowboys probably need to kind of take a step back and get healthy and, 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 and do these other things that will be more prepared for the playoffs. So, yeah. And I, I, I kind of feel like that's probably what's going to happen if, if we don't catch them. But my biggest fear is that we just go full on and then we still can't catch them, you know, and we do everything right. And we're, mm-hmm. and we're just mm-hmm. like, but I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, like imagine, imagine that the Eagles don't lose between now and Christmas. The Cowboys win. That means they're, they're, they'll still have two games left. But they're in until they're unless they lose the first one against Tennessee, they're going to have to continue to try to win because if they do and the Eagles slip up, the Cowboys win the division, right? So they're going to have to continue to try to, to try to win all those games. And when you're doing that with such pressure, it just it's really draining. That's why teams don't win don't often win that many games in a row it's very rare you have to be a really rare team to do that and maybe this is a rare team but um it's it's going to be really interesting to watch it play out my friend that's really all i have it to is. say i'll tell you this Rabs. a lot of stake. even to, even what would make it worse is just to say that nobody loses until christmas eve and let's say the cowboys at home just roll philly and just like completely say you know what boys we are the best team in this league and they mm-hmm. beat they just smoke them and uh, Jalen Hurts is just like, you know, out of the MVP race because the Cowboys have just like completely, you know, just demolished him. And look, so now then we're 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 now a game away from them, but mm-hmm. we hold the tiebreaker. So well, but then we finish out the season with Philly just keeps skating by with wins, and we can never catch them. Wouldn't that just be the worst? I mean, that would be the very, very worst. Be- yeah, because we'd have to continue to play hard every game because you, they're within a game of of taking over the division lead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what would be even worse is if we smoke Philadelphia and let's say Philly loses between now and Christmas, we smoke Philadelphia on Christmas Eve. We are in first place. And then next week we have kind of a letdown lose to Tennessee oh, at man. Tennessee. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> Oh man. At least we did it that to ourselves so there. I think, I think that might be yeah. easier to stomach than like, Playing mm-hmm. this fantastic, just basically perfect football, and still not have any control. And still coming in second, right. yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I don't know. We'll have to see how things play out. But uh, that is how things played out for today. Um, that's it for our show for today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blog of the Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever you get your podcast. Apple, Spotify, iTunes. Tell us what you think. Anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, you know, how you think the season's going to play out. Are you, are you excited for this final stretch? Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Danny Phantom 24 and Rabs is at Rabble Rouser spelled R E B B L E R O U S R. 
And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart, so make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue. And we will catch you later. Last dismissed. missed.